I'll be reading Revelation 13, verses 1 to 10. And I saw upon the sand of the sea, and saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and upon his horns ten crowns, and upon his heads the name of blasphemy. And the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard, and his feet were as the feet of a bear, and his mouth as the mouth of a lion. And the dragon gave him power, and his seat, and great authority. And I saw one of his heads as it were wounded to death, and his deadly wound was healed, and all the world wondered after the beast. And they worshipped the dragon which gave power unto the beast, and they worshipped the beast, saying, Who is like unto the beast? Who is able to make war with him? And there was given unto him a mouth, speaking great things and blasphemies, and power was given unto him to continue forty and two months. And he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God, to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle, and them that dwell in heaven. And it was given unto him to make war with the saints, and to overcome them. And power was given unto him over all kindreds, and tongues, and nations. And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him, whose names are not written in the book of life, of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. If any man have an ear, let him hear. He that leadeth into captivity shall go into captivity. He that killeth with the sword must be killed with the sword. Here is the patience and faith of the saints. You may sit down. Good morning. I do want to say thank you for the many gifts and the way you blessed us this past week. Thank you, too, for your prayers and your support. It means a lot to our family. In our world today, people are longing for a leader to find answers for all of their problems. We can especially see that since the pandemic hit our land this year. People are looking for a leader to find a solution for our health crisis. They're also looking for a leader to bring about world peace, where there is love and peace among everyone, peace in our lands, and peace in the political world among the leaders. They're also looking for a leader to bring prosperity to this world. Paul Henry Spock, who was the Prime Minister of Belgium in the 1930s and the 1940s, made a statement about someone coming in and taking control of the world. And it goes like this. The truth is that the method of international committees have failed. What we need is a person, someone of the highest order or great experience, of great authority, of wide influence, of great energy. Let him come, and let him come quickly, either a civilian or a military man. No matter what his nationality, he will cut all the red tape, shove out all the committees, wake up all the people, and galvanize all governments into action. Someday, a leader is coming to the world to take control of it, to bring about false peace. We know him as the Antichrist. 
This morning, I want to speak about the Antichrist. So what is an Antichrist? What does Antichrist mean? There's a couple of verses in 1 John that give us the description of what an Antichrist is. 1 John 2, 18 and 22. Little children, it is the last time, and as ye have heard, that Antichrist shall come. Even now are there many Antichrists, whereby we know that it is the last time. Who is a liar? But he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ, he is the Antichrist that denieth the Father and the Son. And the word to deny means not to accept, to reject, to prove to be false. So what is an Antichrist? It is one who denies Jesus. 1 John 4, 3, it says, And every spirit that confesses not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist, whereof ye have heard that it should come. And even now already is it in the world. And, first, and second John 1, 7. For many deceivers are entered into the world, and who confess not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an Antichrist. So the word confess like it says in these two verses, means one who speaks openly about Christ, one who speaks freely about him. What is an antichrist? One who does not confess that Jesus Christ came to this earth in the flesh. There we have a good description of the antichrist. So what does the word anti mean? Anti means someone who is against or who is opposed to. Someone who takes the place of. So, an ant so the Antichrist that is coming is the adversary of the Messiah. Is one who will be against Christ. One who will try to take the place of Christ. And when we look, about, look at the Antichrist in the future, we see that the Antichrist will imitate Christ. He will be a counterfeit to Christ, and he will be a mockery to Christ. There are different names that we see in Scripture um, that refer to Christ, to the Antichrist. The, the word Antichrist is only found a small handful of times, and that's only found in First and Second John. But yet, as we look in Scripture, we can see a great deal about this coming ruler. There's many um, descriptions of this person that'll come. So different names that we have of the Antichrist that is referred to in Scripture is the bloody and deceitful man is one of them, and that's Psalms 5. Another one is the wicked one in Psalms 10. Another one is the adversary. We see that in Psalms 74. And another one, and we'll talk about this a little bit more today, is the little horn. That's in Daniel 7. Another one is the prince that shall come. Daniel 9. And there's two of them in 2 Thessalonians 2. The man of sin and the son of perdition. And another one 
that is referred to the Antichrist is the beast. And Dave read about that this morning. So I want to look at the identity of the coming Antichrist. Many people um, across time have often tried to figure out who this man is. There have been different political leaders that people thought that they might be the Antichrist. But we do have a picture, a good picture, of what the Antichrist will be like through a king in Greece named Antiochus Epiphanes, which Daniel talks about in Daniel 11. And this king is considered as a foreshadow or a type of the Antichrist because of the similarities between the two. So who will the Antichrist be? Let's turn to 2 Thessalonians 2. And I want to read these verses. And I know I've read these verses many times since I started preaching about the end times. But I think it's good to turn and to see what the scripture has to tell us. And this passage is talking about the rapture and the return of Christ. I want to read from 3 to 8. 2 Thessalonians 2, 3 to 8. Let no, man, let no man deceive you by any means. For that day shall not come except there come a falling away first. And that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, who opposes and exalteth himself above all that is called God or that is worship, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Remember ye not that when I was yet with you, I told you these things. And now you know what withholdeth, that he might be revealed in his time. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth will let, until he be taken out of the way. And then shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth, and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming." Notice again the different words in this passage that refer to the Antichrist. We see the man of sin, son of perdition, and that wicked. But what does it say about the Antichrist? It says that he will be revealed. He will be made known before Jesus' second coming, before Jesus come down to this earth. But he won't be revealed until after the church is taken away. If we know who the Antichrist is, we have been left behind at the rapture. While we do not know who the Antichrist will be, the Bible talks a lot about what he will be like. And I believe the Antichrist is a man, not just a spirit or a force. He will be a king over a certain region. And maybe even somewhere in this world, there is a little boy whom God has pointed to be in the Antichrist that is growing up. Or maybe he is a man ready to enter into the political world. We will not know who the Antichrist is till after the rapture. So what nationality will he be from? Many people, or some people, think that he will be a Jew. I don't think he will be a Jew I believe he will be a Gentile. 
If you look at Revelation 13.1, where Dave read, it says that the beast, or the Antichrist, came out of the sea. The sea in Revelation is a symbol of people or of nations. Israel is not included as a part of these nations. In Revelation 17.1, it describes the sea. It says that the great war, which is the false religious system in the first three and a half years of the tribulation, sits on many waters. And then if you jump down to 17.15, it says what the waters are. It says the waters are the or that the war is sitting on is peoples and multitudes and nations and tongues. So it is the nations that the Antichrist come from, the Gentile nations. The Jews during the tribulation will be turning to the Messiah, not a false religion that it talks about there in Revelation 17, the, the great war. I believe that the Antichrist will be a Gentile. And I could be wrong about this next statement, but I believe possibly from somewhere in Europe. So how will the Antichrist come into power? Turn with me to Daniel 7. I want to read verses 4 to 8. Daniel 7, 4 to 8. And this is talking about the beast or the vision that Daniel had. And it describes the vision that he had starting in verse 4. And it's talking about the, I'll start in verse 3. And four great beasts came up from the sea, diverse one from another. The first was like a lion and had wings. I beheld till the wings thereof were plucked. And it was lifted up from the earth and made Stand upon the feet as a man, and a man's heart was given to it. And behold, another beast, a second, like to a bear, and it raised, raised up itself on one side, and it had three ribs in the mouth of it, between the teeth of it. And they said thus unto it, Arise, devour much flesh. After this I beheld, and lo, another, like a leper, which had upon the back of it four wings of a fowl. The beast had also four heads, and dominion was given to it. After this I saw in the night visions, and behold, a fourth, a fourth beast, dreadful and terrible and strong exceedingly, and it had great iron teeth. It devoured and broke in pieces, and stamped the residue with the feet of it. And it was diverse from all the beasts that were before it, and it had ten horns. I considered the horns, and behold, there came up among them another little horn, before whom there were three of the first horns plucked up by the roots. And behold, in this horn were eyes like the eyes of man, and a mouth speaking great things. So we see different images of beasts. The word beasts in symbolic passages, represents kingdoms. And notice where the beast came from, and there in verse 3, it came from the sea, the Gentile kingdoms. Three of these kings kingdoms were established and they were taken by another kingdom. And while it doesn't say um, who these king, what these kingdoms were, 
The first one is the Babylonian kingdom. The second one is a Medo-Persian kingdom. And the third one is a Grecian kingdom. And we can see that in the image of Daniel, there in Daniel 2, that Nebuchadnezzar dream. But the fourth kingdom, the Roman kingdom, we see it devours and breaks into pieces the kingdoms before it. It was a strong kingdom. And we see again in verses 7 and 8. Last time I preached, I talked about gaps in prophecy. There is another gap here in these verses in prophecy. Verse 7, happening in times before in the the Roman Empire happened at the time of Jesus' birth. And there's another gap in verses 8 that is yet to be fulfilled. Like I said, this kingdom conquered all the land that the other three kingdoms prior had. Notice in verse 7, the description of this beast. There is no animal that could describe it. Because they had ten horns. What do you think of when you think of an animal with horns? You think of power and of strength. Horns in prophetic scripture always are symbolized as kings. Because of their strength and their power. Out of the Roman kingdom in the future there will be ten There will be ten horns or ten kings that will start another kingdom. And we see out of these ten horns, there arises a little horn. Who is this little horn? I believe it is the Antichrist. Why does he start out? Why is he described as a little horn? What does that tell you about the Antichrist? What do you think that it means when it is a little horn? The other ten horns, it doesn't say anything about a little horn. But the Antichrist was a little horn. I think it refers to someone that isn't as important. Someone or doesn't have much political power. One who doesn't attract much attention to himself. And that's how he will start out. The Antichrist will squeeze his way in, little by little, beginning as a minor political leader. Or maybe like what we can say, just as a mayor of Lancaster City. But he will squeeze in, rise up to the top, to the president in our terms. The Antichrist will enter the political arena quietly, but will, but will with storm make himself known. He will quickly rise to the top. When he makes his appearance, he plucks up by the roots three other horns or three other kings. He will overthrow the three kings, and the other seven will submit to him. And I believe he will do this by clever political manipulation. So how will he make himself known? How will he quickly rise to the top? 
I believe one way that he will make himself known is by his mouth. It says that he has a great... Yeah, in verse 8, he has a mouth speaking great things. Just think about it in your life. What is one way that a person can be led astray from the truth? I believe it's when we listen to our emotions and to our feelings instead of what's truth. That's how we can be led away. I think the Antichrist will know how to affect people's emotions, their feelings. He will speak with great things that can persuade and move people. He will talk about things that makes people feel good. In Revelation 13, it says that he is a mouth like a lion. His words will most likely be words of power and full of promises. Just imagine what the world will be like at the beginning of the Antichrist rising up to power. The world will most likely be of chaos. And people full of fear because of the rapture of the church. Then a man with great words that can arouse emotions and feelings will come on the scene. People will be looking for a man like him. So what will the Antichrist look like? When we think of Satan and the Antichrist, oftentimes we get a picture that's not very pretty. We think of um, some of the lawn ornaments that were dried by this past couple weeks. Now they, we think of Satan and the Antichrist, you know, something like that. Scenes that are creepy, ugly. Well, that is not how Satan and the Antichrist are. In Daniel 7, verse 20, it says that the Antichrist has a look that was more stout than his fellows. In other words, the Antichrist's appearance will be very attractive. And I believe that is one way that will help him rise to power. Because of his look. Turn with me to Revelation 6. I'm going to read verses 1 and 2. In Revelation, this is the start of the tribulation. And I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals, and I heard, as it were, the noise of thunder. One of the four beasts saying, Come and see. And I saw and behold a white horse. And he that sat on him had a bow. And a crown was given unto him. And, we, and he went forth conquering and to conquer. At the beginning of the tribulation, the Antichrist will make his appearance on a white horse. We need to make sure that we do not confuse the rider on this horse versus the rider in Revelation 19, which is Jesus Christ. The Antichrist here has only a bow, but no arrows. The Antichrist has a crown, 
A crown marked a royal or exalted rank. And it says that the Antichrist went forth conquering and to conquer the nations. And I think he'll do that um, without fight, but will by force, um, by manipulation, conquer the nations, which then will cause war, as we see in verses 3 and 4, where there is um, death. So what is the Antichrist's relationship to the Jews? Remember last time that I preached, I talked about um, the Antichrist's relationship to the Jews. I talked about the 70 weeks that Daniel dreamed. Um, Daniel 9:27, and it says, And he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. And in the midst of the week, he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease. And for the overspreading of abominations, he shall make it desolate, even until the consummation and that determined shall be poured upon the desolate. So we see the Antichrist will make a firm covenant of peace with the Jews for seven years. And that's what he'll say in the beginning. And remember, you know, like I said, I talked about the 70 weeks that were for designated for Daniel's people. And also for Jerusalem, the holy city. And how that was designed, how God designed that to restore the Jews back to God. The 70th week did not happen yet, which is the seven-year tribulation. The 69 weeks are in the past. But the Antichrist will present himself as a protector to Israel. And I believe this alliance or this um, peace treaty that he'll come up with will not be because of God and his chosen people, but because of selfish reasons. So that he can gain control of Israel and possibly its resources. <clears throat> so that he can be named the one to bring peace to Israel where for the last how many years there has been a lot of unrest and many political leaders are trying to find peace in the land of Israel. So where does the Antichrist get his supernatural power? Revelation 13.4 says, And they worshiped the dragon, which is Satan, which gave power unto the beast. And they worshiped the beast, saying, Who is like unto the beast? Who is able to make war with him? And also 2 Thessalonians 2.8.9, it says, And then shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth, and shall destroy with brightness, of his coming, even him who is coming is after the working of Satan with all powers and signs and lying wonders. The Antichrist gets his power from Satan, the dragon. This power is used to bring deception to people's minds so that they will follow the Antichrist and worship Satan. So what is the Antichrist's attitude toward God? Like I said, the word antichrist means that he is against Christ or takes the place of Christ. He is denying that Christ exists. 
The Antichrist also is an imitator of Christ so that he can bring deception. And there's many things that the Antichrist does um, that Jesus did as well. And I'm going to name off some of them. We see with God, there is a trinity. God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. Satan also has a trinity. Satan, the Antichrist, and his false prophet. Another similarity, Jesus and the Antichrist, they both do miracles, signs, and wonders. Another similarity is the one is God, and the other claims to be God. Another similarity between the two is both of their followers are sealed with a mark on their foreheads. Another similarity is both are crowned. Jesus having many crowns and the Antichrist has ten crowns. Another similarity is both have a kingdom. Jesus with his 1,000 year worldwide kingdom and the Antichrist with his three and a half year worldwide kingdom. Another similarity we see is that they both ride a white horse. And there are many more that we could list. But Satan does this so that people can be deceived. The Antichrist will speak great things against God. He will speak blasphemy. He will speak blasphemy words against God, his tabernacle, and those who dwell in heaven. Also, when we think about the Antichrist and what he does with um, his attitude towards God, he will change time and the laws that God has set up. He will change everything that God has established so that people will be drawn away from God. During the French Revolution, the new leaders tried to get control of the people by changing everything that grew out of Christianity. They set up a new calendar by which the years were numbered, not from the birth of Christ, but from the date of the revolution. They tried to change a seven-day week that God had established to a ten-day week. This is most likely what the Antichrist will do, something to that effect. I want to look now at his greatest awful act toward God. And this act is the abomination of desolation that Matthew talks about in verse or in chapter 24. And this is something that happens halfway into the tribulation when the Antichrist breaks his peace treaty with the Jews. And this act that he does, I want to read in 2 Thessalonians 2.4. Who opposes and exalteth himself above all that is called God or that is worships, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Where in the temple do you think that he will sit? Where in the temple, especially if you look in the Old Testament, where is the presence of God? Isn't it in the Holy of Holies? The Antichrist will be trying to show the world that he is God. 
And God will allow him to do it for three and a half years. Just think about it. The Antichrist is a created being. He is the creature. But yet he is trying to take the place of the creator. That is foolishness. Also another verse in Revelation 13, 14 to 15. And deceiveth them that dwell on the earth by the means of those miracles which, had, which he had power to do in the sight of the beast, saying to them that dwell on the earth, that they should make an image to the beast, which had the wound by a sword and did live. And he had power to give life unto the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause that as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. Let's talk about the image of the beast. People will make an image of the Antichrist, and I believe set that in the Holy of Holies. People will then come and worship the image of the Antichrist. Well, this image that is created is something demonic, where it not only speaks, but it also causes people to be killed if they do not worship the image. What is God's attitude toward the Antichrist? Is God losing control when the Antichrist comes into power? Does God not care what the Antichrist does here on the earth and the destruction and chaos that it brings? 2 Thessalonians 2.6, it says, And now you know what withholdeth that he might be revealed in his time. This is talking about the Antichrist being revealed. Yet he is being held back till the time is right. Revelation 13, it says that the Antichrist was given a mouth. Power was given unto him to continue 42 months. And was given unto him to make war with the saints. Who gave the Antichrist his power? Who was withholding him until the time was right? I believe God was. God is in control. This is all a part of his plan for the Jewish people so that they can find their Messiah. If God can give and withhold, he can also stop when the timing is right. I want to look now at the Antichrist attitude towards God's people. During the tribulation, especially in the last three and a half years, there will be great persecution like the world has never seen before. It will be worse than Hitler with what he did with the Jews. In Matthew 24, it says that the tribulation will be great, like, will be great such like there was never, such like there never was in all of history. And like there never will be in the future. At the time of the tribulation, there's no period of earth that has experience like it will be then. In Daniel, it says that the Antichrist will make war with the saints and that he will wear them out. What does it mean that he will wear them out? 
It uses the same word as wearing out your clothes. You keep wearing your clothes until they are threads. The persecution will be a slow, painful, drawn out of the people of God. So you may say that I thought that the church is raptured. Who is God's people that the Antichrist will be persecuting? I believe it will be mainly the Jews. The Jews primarily. And also there will be many Gentile believers that will become saved during the tribulation. And I want to talk about that sometime in a future sermon. Also those that don't worship the image of the beast will be killed. I want to look now at the Antichrist's control of the economy. So if you think about it, I believe the economy will collapse in the first three and a half years of the tribulation. We see in Revelation 6, there in the start of the tribulation, that there will be a famine after the first two sealed judgments. There will be the Antichrist riding in on the white horse, and then there will be war. The famine is caused by the rise of the Antichrist to power and the war that will follow. Also, the economy will collapse probably because of pestilence or disease and because of earthquakes. This collapse will cause people to look to the world leader or to the Antichrist for help or for an answer to fix their problem. Like I said, that world leader will be the Antichrist. So how will the Antichrist take control? First, he will try to identify everyone that is in the world by placing one of three kinds of marks on a person's right hand or forehead. And we see that in Revelation 13, 7. Those three marks are a mark, and there's nothing necessarily clear in Scripture about what that mark is. Second one is the name of the beast. And remember, we don't know what his name is. And the third one is the number 666, which is the number of his name. One of those three marks, he will identify each person with these marks. In order to buy or sell, you need to have one of these marks. So let me just ask you, how close are we in having a system like this in our world? I'd say we're very close. Some Christians, though, are fearful that they might take the mark without knowing it. But let me remind you, the church will not be here during this time. Those that become saved, though, during the tribulation will know what the mark of the beast is because of what they will need to do to get it. In order to get the mark, you need to worship the image of the beast. And God will show them if they are sincere. He doesn't let his children fall when they rest in him. And that can be an encouragement for us as we face many deceivers out in this world. God will show us what is the true way. There is a teaching about the Antichrist. I'm not 
100% sure about and um, I'm still learning. But some people believe that the Antichrist will be killed with his sword and rise again. I want to read Revelation 13, 1-3, what Dave read a little while ago. Either follow along or listen carefully. And I stood upon the sand of the sea and saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns. And upon his head, and upon his horns ten crowns, and upon his heads the name of blasphemy. And the beast which I saw was like unto a leper, and his feet were as the feet of a bear, and his mouth as the mouth of a lion. And the dragon gave him his power and his seat and great authority. And I saw one of his heads, as it were, wounded to death, and his deadly wound was healed, and all the world wandered after the beast. It's almost implying, or some people feel, that the Antichrist died and rose again. But let me ask you, what description does it say that the Antichrist is? He says that he is a beast. And what else does it say about him? It says he has seven heads and ten horns and upon his horns, ten crowns. And who, which or what was killed or what was wounded and killed? It says only one of his heads. It seems like it's only a part of the Antichrist that is killed. I want to read Go to Revelation 17, 9 to 11. And this tells us what the heads are. Revelation 17, 9 to 11. And here is the mind which hath wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains. On which the woman sitteth. And there are seven kings. Five are fallen. And one is and the other is not yet come. And when he cometh... He must continue a short space. And the beast that was and is not, even he is the eighth and is of the seven, and goeth into perdition. The seven heads or seven mountains which the woman or the harlot, the false religion, sits on. The seven mountains or seven kingdoms which were coexistent with Israel since her beginning, and namely Egypt, way back in Exodus, Assyria, Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greece, Rome, the revised Rome in the beginning of the tribulation. It seems like there will be one of these kingdoms that will be revived again in the last three and a half years. And it will be controlled by the prince or by a demonic angel that will come out of the abyss who will control the Antichrist. And like I said, I'm still learning and um, I can't totally explain this away. I hope I didn't make it too confusing and maybe someone during testimony can either correct me or um, 
fill in the cracks or whatever so that we can better under, understand. I want to look now at the final destination of the Antichrist. So after the battle of Armageddon, the Antichrist with the false prophet will be cast into the lake of fire. The Antichrist and his false prophet will be the first to go into the lake of fire. And he, they will be forever in the lake of fire. The Antichrist and his kingdom will come to an end. And I want to read from Isaiah 14, 9 to 11. And if you look at these verses, this is a taunt to the Antichrist as he goes to the lake of fire. And it says, Hell from beneath its move for thee to meet thee at thy coming. It stirreth up the dead for thee, even all the chief ones of the earth. It hath rise up from their thrones all the kings of the nations. All they shall speak and say unto thee, Art thou also become weak as we? Art thou become like unto us? Thy pomp is brought down to the grave, and the noise of thy vials. The worm is spread under thee, and the worms cover thee. So we see what the end of the Antichrist's kingdom will be like. So in conclusion, you may ask, what is the point in studying about the Antichrist? Especially if we're not going to be here. There are and there will be many people looking for a man like him to rule the world. But I'm not looking for the Antichrist. I'm not looking for this kind of man. Whom are you looking for? I'm looking for someone to take control of this earth. Come down to take control of this earth. To reign as king of kings forever and ever. I trust each one of you are doing the same. I am looking for the Messiah. Our Lord Jesus Christ. Giving your life to Jesus is the only certain guarantee that you will be saved from experiencing the Antichrist and all the wickedness that will be on the earth when he is here. Keep looking up. Your redemption draweth nigh. Let's kneel to pray. Our Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for your many blessings. Thank you, Lord, that we can be together like this. Thank you, Lord, for your word and the many promises that are in there. And that someday you will come and reign on the earth and take control. Even though for a short time, the Antichrist will create chaos on this earth. Thank you, Lord, for who you are. I pray, God, that you would just be with us today. Guide and direct our fellowship, especially with the noon meal. I pray you just guide and direct us there in our fellowship there. Thank you. We praise in Jesus' name. Amen.